Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in a beautiful time of worship. And I'm glad that we could join online like this. And, uh, and I just want to take a moment to reflect on 2021. And if we do that, I'm sure that there are many things that we should be thankful to God for. At the same time, I'm also convinced that there are some regrets. There have been some could-haves and would-haves and should-haves some accomplishment that we may be proud of and some we may be very disappointed with. As a church, we have come a long way. Though we are not a mega church with mega funds, with the little we have, we are impacting the church in the local community, not only locally but abroad, in small ways that we can. And I must say, as a pastor, I'm simply thrilled to see how the ministries have thrived and developed and how we are beginning to have an impact in the community. I'm thrilled that globally we are partnering in some way in the gospel advancement in 2021 in India, in Haiti, in Lebanon, and also in Sri Lanka. And these are some of the highlights of 2021. But the question is, church, can we do more? Can we do more? How do we do better? Who should be our model to mimic or to follow? I know that there are many scholarly articles that you could find, and many scholars have written about church ordinances and how a church should function and showing how, how uh, everything must be put together and what features must be evident for the church to excel. And we see... Um, documents from Nine Marks, the Gospel Coalition, and the, and the Feb Central has got its own listing of how the church should function. But this morning, I want to direct our thoughts to the church in Philippi, the Philippians church, and see what lessons that we can learn to be a model church in 2022. All I'm trying to do, church, is that see how best we can mimic a church that we can find in the Scriptures which has received recommendations from the Apostle Paul. Now, we know that Paul wrote many letters to the churches in the first century, and many of his letters, like the ones he sent to the church in Corinth and the church in Galatia, were written to combat sins within the church body. While they are all, they contained blessings and help for the church, but they are in fact letters of rebuke and correction. But the letter to the church in Philippi was different. In its pages, as we go through that, we don't find any words of rebuke. and There are no words of correction. All that we find here are words of praise and affection. This church, it would seem, stood with Paul in prayer, in fellowship, and in financial support when other churches failed to come to his aid. The main themes that run through the book of Philippians are that this church, they are imitating Christ's example 
and rejoicing in every circumstances. That's what you see about this church in Philippi. My question to us, every one of us, including myself, and to the leadership and to the members, would that be told of SEF? Would that be told of you and me? What are the markers that we see in the church, of, church in Philippi which may help us in our growth in 2022? What area should we be focusing so that we too would be known as a church that imitates Christ and rejoicing in all circumstances? So church, we are laying a foundation for the next generation and leadership. That is my calling today. And that is the calling of we, the older folks of this church. So let us do it reverently, scripturally, and prayerfully, giving a firm foundation so that our children and their children and the generations to come would be rooted to a local church that the Lord would be pleased with. That is my goal. So on this very first day in 2022, I want to establish the markers that we would be known by, that we would seek to accomplish, that would encourage each other with that we would hold each other accountable. And church, I want to give you the permission to hold me accountable for what you are going to hear from today, in the message today. And if I am deviating in any way or form, you have the right and the authority to not only question me, but question the leadership of the church. Because we want to do the right thing. That will really help us and hold us accountable to navigate this church along with the God-ordained leadership we have. So here, so here we are, church. This is my plea, this is my pledge, and this is my purpose of this message this morning. So let us examine Philippians chapter 1. And, and I've given the title, SEF Model Church. Actually, I want to put a question mark after that. Are we a model church? That's the, that's the message I want to give. But we are going to look at the uh, a, a verse from uh, Philippians chapter 1. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We are going to focus on first eight verses only. In verse 5, Paul uses a keyword for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That I would call your attention to this word, fellowship. Church, this word, this word and the concept is much misunderstood by the modern church today. Now, we'll have a dinner time together, and we call it a fellowship. And after church, we go, go to the fellowship hall, and let's have a time of fellowship. Or if you are going to meet somebody at Tim Hortons, and we say that's a fellowship. And sometimes we enjoy a good time of fellowship when we are playing games together. Or whatever event that might bring several believers together, we call it fellowship. So what we often refer to as fellowship is actually a friendship or acquaintanceship. Genuine fellowship runs far deeper than a meal or a good time together. Now the English word fellowship is actually the translation of a Greek word known as koinonia, which refers to the things held in common, things shared. 
It means to be so closely bound together that there is open and mutual sharing. So the best way to understand this is to look at the opposite of the word fellowship. Look at this passage here. Paul writes, excuse me, Paul writes to the saints in Corinth and he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. See what he says next. For what fellowship is the same word that was used here has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Church, the whole idea in this verse is that light and darkness are so mutually exclusive that they cannot dwell together. They are so different that they share nothing in common. They share nothing in common. So Paul takes that picture and projects it into the life of the believer. Believers and non-believers are so different that they can never yoke together. So now, if we can bring this into the Christian realm, we can see that true fellowship, biblical fellowship, refers to those things that we are involved in and we share in together. It is those things we hold in common as believers at SEF that I would like to focus today, this morning. This will be our markers for 2022. That is what I want to establish now. And these are the markers that we will be known by, and these are the markers that we can always scrutinize and see whether we are adhering to. So it seems that the church in Philippi was a great church, as you read through this. The reason they were a great church is that they enjoyed and promoted a genuine fellowship. It was their realization of what they held in common that made them great. Now, I, I certainly think that we have a great church here at SEF. I certainly think. We want to have genuine fellowship, but is there room for improvement? Of course, yes. The church in Philippi possesses certain elements it, which make them great. So this morning, I would like to take a few minutes of our time to look into these verses, and I want to walk you through the traits they possess that would help us in our pursuit of achieving greatness and becoming a model church shaped by the Scripture and Scripture alone. That's my goal. So there are some basic truths that all the redeemed in this building hold in common, and these truths form the basis of our fellowship together. So how does Paul see the church in Philippi? Let's see what lessons we can learn. Let's see how we can change in 2022. Let's dive in now. Let me make a first statement and work through the scriptures to show you what I mean. My first statement is this. To have a true fellowship, we must share the common birth. Let me repeat that. To have a true fellowship as a church, we must share the common birth birth. Let me show you the passage of Scripture here. Paul addresses this way. He says, Paul and Timothy, born servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Church, let me make it clear this right up. 
when I speak of a common birth, I'm referring to the fact that all believers share the same kind of birth experience. Notice how Paul addresses the letter to the, Philippi, to the saints in Philippi. He was writing to all saints in Christ Jesus. That, that designation set these people apart. They are different groups of people. You see, not everyone in Philippi was in Christ Jesus. Just like not everyone at SEF, not everyone who lives in this community or in Mississauga is in Christ Jesus. So it is this state of being in Christ Jesus that makes one a Christian. When Apostle John writes in 1 John 5, 12, he says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Church, do we all share the common birth? That's my first question to you. Is it true of you then you are in the fellowship? If so, you are in the fellowship. Now it begs the question, you ask, Pastor, how does a person get in Christ Jesus? How does he do that? So depending on whom you ask, there might be people who might say, in order to be in Christ Jesus, you ought to be baptized. In order to be in Christ Jesus, you should do good works. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? So the Bible talks about this uh, about this common birth in this way. First, the Bible makes it clear, clear that one cannot be saved by his or her own strength or by doing anything that you can do like works or good deeds. Secondly, the Bible is also clear that the true path to salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And thirdly, the Bible is again clear when it tells us salvation is available to all men. The fourthly, the Bible is clear when it teaches us that anyone who does not come to Jesus in the manner that is described in the scriptures will not be saved, will not go to heaven. So the answer to the question I asked is very simple. Respond to the call of God. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, Respond to it and repent of your sins and receive Jesus into your life. Then you will be in him and he will be in you and you will be saved and that's how it works. So church, when a person trusts Jesus Christ as, a, as his own personal Lord and Savior, that person becomes part of the church family. Regardless of his or her background, they become one with other believers. This is the beauty of this fellowship. Now, in a secular setting, if I am from a poor family and I'm not doing financially well, my group of friends will somewhat be in the same social settings. The elite will meet with the elite and call it a fellowship. And the poor will meet with the poor and call it a fellowship. But not so in a church setting. It's not so in a church setting. We share a common birth and that places us in the family. No social status, no education, no wealth, and nothing matters. All that matters is that whether Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. We are all equal. You know, I'm, I was preparing it. I was reminded of the time I was caught up in one of the civil riots in Sri Lanka. And I was in a refugee camp. 
and the camp was so packed that I had to sleep outside on the ground, in a school ground, with many other people. And I was lying down, and there was one person who was lying next to me, on the ground, no mats. And this person was well-treated and respected by all the other refugees who are seated there. I didn't know who he was. But later I realized he was one of the richest merchant in Colombo at that time. But when the, when, the, when the troubles happened, we are all equal. We are lying on the ground. You know what? Whether he was rich or poor, he came to the same ground. Church, the fellowship, when you, are a common, when you have the common birth, it does not matter who you are. No one should feel superior. No one should feel inferior. That is when we can have a fellowship. So the question that remains to be answered today is, have you, everyone who, is, who has attended, I know there are not many here, only two or three, but everyone who's watching online, have you experienced this new birth? Are you genuinely saved this morning? If you are, praise God, you're part of the house of God. If not, you can be, tr by trusting God and, and, his, and His shed blood, you can become part of this fellowship. So our goal in 2022 should be that everyone belonging to SCF must share in this common birth. So that is my first point from this passage of Scripture. We must share the common birth. Let's keep going. Secondly, let me state the, state my, make my statement first and I'll work, work my way through that. Not only we must share a common birth, we must share the common burden. I'm going to use the word burden there. Now, when Paul writes uh, verses 2 to 8, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but I want, us to, I want to draw your attention to verse number 7. Look at this. This section of the passage is summed up well by Paul's statement in verse number 7. Please follow along. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, who? The saints in Philippi. Because I have you in my heart, Paul says. I have you in my heart. Paul is reminding these believers they hold a special place in his life. They are in his heart. Think about that, what that statement means, church. Paul is in Roman prison, awaiting trial before Caesar. Yet Paul's thoughts were filled with praise for these special brothers and sisters in Christ. Even as he can, seeing his own impending death, he's going to die soon. But he still expresses his love for the brethren. My friends, this is a challenge to every child of God this morning. Every one of you, I'm talking to the saints in, at Seekers. You see, the place our fellow believers hold in our own hearts reveals a great deal about where we stand in the Lord. Because just as, surely as we all share a common birth experience, we should also share a common burden experience. That's my second point here. We should share a common burden experience because Paul says, I have you in my heart. So he asked the question, Pastor, what do you mean by sharing a common burden? 
Do you want me to go and carry their groceries? groceries? Do you want them to maybe help them move? What do you mean by that? Let me break it down for you. In these seven verses from 2 to 8, Paul shares the fourfold burden of his heart for the Philippians church. And in doing so, Paul is teaching us how we should feel about our brothers and sisters. And church, by the way, the word burden is not necessarily a negative experience. It is not. So let's break it down now. We're going to look at verse number 3. Look at verse number 3. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Who, what is you? The saints in the church in Philippi. So there's a burden of praise. That's what I'm seeing here for, from Paul's point of view. Paul tells us that his heart is filled with joy every time he remembers his fellow believers they are in Philippi. He praises the Lord that they are in the family together. This was the attitude toward all believers that we see here. And that should be the attitude of our hearts this morning. If we are to bear the burden. When, I, when we think of our fellow church members here at SEF, I'm asking a very hard question. And I want you to examine yourselves as we go through this. How do we remember other members of our church? Do we think that the times they did something we didn't like? Do we remember the time when they said something hurtful? Do we have allowed any form of bitterness to grow in our hearts? We would say, how dare he did this? How dare she did this to me? Pastor, you don't know about this person. Who will forgive him and who will forgive her? How many times should I put up with this nonsense? Church, do we know what example Christ taught us? He says, a new commandment I give it to you, that you love one another as I have loved, you also love one another. You know, for me, in my ministry, 30 plus years ago when I first I was called to the ministry, this verse is the one that hit me so hard. Jesus is calling us to love one another, and Paul writes to the saints in Rome, and he explains how he loved one another. Listen to this, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, no remorse yet for the sins that we have committed, yet Christ died for us. Christ died for us. What does love do? When you genuinely love somebody, the scripture says, love will cover a multitude of sin. Love will cover multitude. Paul speaks much about this love in 1 Corinthians 13, and I don't have time to go through that. Love is patient and kind, and it does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps you no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Can that be told of us and our love for each other? Does that speak of your love for your fellow seeker within this church? Or do you hold anger and unforgiveness in your hearts? 
when you come to church, when you think about somebody else. We should be reaching out first to forgive someone. In the, book of Mark, in the book of Mark, we find this, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against someone, forgive them. Forgive them. Hold no grudges, that's what it means. Reach out to them and say, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Don't wait for that person to come and say sorry to you. Or when we come together, do we truly rejoice that we are saved and they are saved and we have a privilege of serving God together? You know, certainly one of the great marks of a healthy church is a deeply felt joy among the believers of that church. A burden of praise is only possible when there is genuine love for each other. When there is genuine love. Then you will thank the Lord for the brother and sister. So Paul is talking about sharing the common burden. The first one we must possess is the burden of praise. Secondly, look at verse number four. Paul says this. Sorry. I've gone too fast. Okay, verse number four. I don't know how I, miss, how I got it mixed up. Sorry about that. Some, some slides are missing here. Andrew? That's fine. Verse number four. Let's please follow along as I read this from the scriptures. Uh, Paul says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. That's what Paul says. Let me read that again, because it not, may not appear on the screen. Please follow along. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. So there is a burden of prayer, is what we are seeing here. Not only does praise God for them, we are going to pray for them. Church, please follow along carefully. He carries their name to the throne of grace and makes intercession for their needs and burdens. He cares enough to pray. Again, this ought to be the attitude of our hearts today at Seekers. Do we love one another enough to pray for each other? Do we run to the Father when those in our fellowship are hurting? Church is a heart-hitting question to every one of us, including myself, who do you pray for from this SEF family daily? Who do you pray for? Whom are you burdened about that you bombard the heavens with your plea? For whom are you interceding unceasingly? Do you know the burden each other is carrying? Not everyone is willing to open out church. Just because they come to church and smile, that doesn't mean that, that everything is good in their lives. Behind those smiles, I want to tell you as a pastor, I know that there could be a reservoir of tears. Are we praying for them? Or our heart should be filled with love for those in our father's family that love would motivate us to pray for them in a consistent manner. So you might ask the question, we should, why should we be praying? Because we should be praying, church, because it is a believer's responsibility. It is not an option. Now, James writes in James 5, 7, pray for one another. Now, come along with me. 
though in the immediate context of that passage is about praying in faith for those who are sick. But as you look at the rest of the New Testament, makes it clear that the responsibility for the Christians to pray for one another. It isn't limited for sick people only. So what, prof, what Prophet Samuel assured his fellow Israelites, listen to this, please. Far be it from me that I should, what? Sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. When I'm not praying for you, Samuel says, I sin against God. Wow. Scary, isn't it? So we should pray for one another, not because it's only our responsibility, as you can see here, because when you pray for one another, your love increases for one another. I'm going on my knees and I'm praying for so-and-so. That means that person is in my heart. And next time when I'm seeing that person, I'm going to reach out to him and say, Brother, how is your life? Sister, how is it happening? What is going on in your life? Our love increases with each other. But not only that, church, when we pray for each other, we, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. Because we are reflecting the caring nature of God and that brings glory to God. Paul writes to the saints in Corinth and he says that you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So that is why we need to be praying. So we are looking at the burden. We said there's a burden of praise and burden of prayer. And verse number five. Look at verse number five now. Slides, okay, okay, sorry. Take it off the screen, son. It's okay. There is a burden of partnership. Verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a burden of partnership. Paul is thankful that these people have joined with him in carrying out the gospel ministry the Lord called him to. This church was faithful to stand with Paul in the times of his need. He partnered with them in carrying out the ministry of the gospel. Folk, we are in these things together. The Lord founded SCF, this church, to reach people for Jesus. And each one of us, it's essential for us to do our job in partnership. Now, I cannot devote myself to prayer and study of the Word of God if the leadership don't share in the other burdens. If you, if you are not supporting me, I would have not been able to provide the spiritual food that I am called to give. In the same token, when I bring forth, bring the fruits of my study, I share with you and I hope I am meeting the spiritual needs. That's partnership, church. We need one another more than we'll ever know. May we learn to appreciate the fact that we are partners, every one of us, in the work of the Lord. There are no spectators in a church. There is no I in a teamwork. We are partners in the ministry. That makes it a great church. There are three keys to successful partnership. Number one, if you really want to partner, you must demonstrate humility. When there is no humility, the opposite of humility is pride. And you know, that's the number one hindrance to unity. 
So you want to partner in a church? You must first demonstrate humility. And number two is not only humility, when you want to partner in a church, in, the ch in a church setting, there must be accountability. You are not a free, it's not a freelance operation here. You, we must hold each other accountable. We should be able to know what the other person is doing and be able to correct the person when the person is doing something wrong. You must not take it in a personal way when you are being corrected. And not only, uh, not only humility and accountability, there must be generosity if you want to partner. I'm willing to give my time. I'm going to do everything for the Lord. I'm not going to hold on to something. How generous are you in seekers? How much time do you, do you invest in, the, in listening to those who in your faith community? How often do you look for opportunities to speak into someone's life? How much time per week do you spend serving others? So there must be a burden of praise, a burden of prayer, a burden of partnership, and verse number eight. Son, I think you can turn it on for verse number eight, please. The, on my slides, yes. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, with all, sorry, with the affection of Jesus Christ. There is a burden of pull, is pulling Paul to be with the family of God. Paul now tells them he has, there has, that has been an overwhelming desire to be with them. He wants to be in their presence. He wants to be near them. That's what Paul is saying here. Church, listen, there is something wrong with someone who claims to be saved, but he never wants to go to church. I don't want to come to church. There is something missing in the experience in the Lord. Because the Bible commands us that we should not be giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I am totally blessed when I am in the presence of other believers in the church. I get so excited when I come to church. You know, last week, uh, I don't want to praise somebody but, uh, uh, in particular, but I should do that, I guess. Last week, we were here doing some work here, and, and my son Andrew was there, and, and, and he was telling me, Silnakal, it's best that I came to church today because I really wanted to, I really enjoy the time here. I'm not elevating him. I'm just giving an example. He said, if I had stayed at home, I would have done something secular, but this gives me the most joy. That is the pull I'm talking about, church. That is the pull I'm talking about. Of course, there are days that, well, you know, I, do, I just don't get anything out of this. I, it doesn't make any sense for me to come here. You have to make it fit. You have to make it fit. My advice is if you feel that I don't belong here, search your heart. Search your heart. See if you are really right with God. Because if you want to serve the Lord, there is a place for every one of you in SAF to serve to worship. Come and speak to me if you want to do that. By the same token, when you, do, when you won't go to church, you will not serve the Lord in humble obedience. Then there is something wrong in your heart. So we looked at, so far we have looked at a few things here. I just want to bring it up on the screen so you can get the picture. I told you that Paul is writing, we must share a common birth. Then Paul is saying we must share a common burden. And there are four components to the burden he spoke about. 
burden of praise, burden of prayer, that's the responsibility and the expression of love and glorifying God, and the burden of partnership. To have that partnership, we must have the humility and the accountability and the burden of pull. I want to be there. Now, let's move on to the last point here. Verse number six. Paul concludes this way. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What we are seeing here is a common blessing. It's a common blessing to the church. In this verse, Paul takes a moment to reassure these believers concerning their future with the Lord. He is reminding them that the Lord who saved them from their sins, who has worked them up to that day, would continue His ministry in their lives until they arrived home in heaven. That's what Paul is saying here. In other words, Paul is saying God wasn't going to leave them behind. He wasn't going to take, off his, uh, take his hands off your lives. He was going to work in them, ultimately take them home to be with them. Friends, we still share that common hope this morning. What more do we want? What more do we want? Just as surely as we are saved by the blood, we are kept by the same God. Every one of us. Just surely as we can fellowship here on this earth, we will spend all eternity together in the presence of the Heavenly Father. With that in mind, let me just encourage you to learn to love the brethren and enjoy being with the redeemed. You know what, church? We are going to be together in heaven forever and ever. Heaven, the home of the blessed, will be a place that we will share together. Even if I don't agree with someone on this earth, but if that person is a believer and I am a believer, we both are going to end up in the same place. And trust me, for eternity. It's not for a short period of time. For eternity. I'm looking forward to the day when we are perfected and we stand together in His image, in His presence, in His home forever and ever and ever. Picture this. You know, I, 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 I am a person who, who pictures a lot of things. Imagine in heaven, all of us are there and we decide one day, let's have some caroling. It's interesting, isn't it? Let's sing carols. Let's have a retreat. Let's have camps. Let's have a meal together. What a day that's going to be, church. That is the blessing that he's talking about for the believers. So in conclusion, the church in Philippi was a great church. Do you know why? It was because they shared these three things that made them the basis of their fellowship. Look at that. Bring it up on the screen again for you. They shared a common birth. They shared a common burden. They shared a common blessing. As a result, they grew stronger in the Lord and honored Him. They were great because they stuck to the basics. They worked hand in hand with Jesus to carry out His will in the world. This morning, I want to say that Seekers Christian Fellowship is a great church. If it is not, I wouldn't be staying here, church, another minute. 
But however, as I look to us today, I see where we can benefit from the lessons demonstrated in these verses. I wonder if you, the church of God at SEF, every one of you, will join me in the altar on the very first day of 2022 as I deal with those areas in my life that aren't exactly where they ought to be in light of what we have heard. I hope that you would do the same. Will you join me as I go to the Father to confirm my marching orders this morning? Master, this is the first day of our lives in 2022. And I just want to ask you to be with me and help me to make this into the church of Philippi with all the markers that we have seen. Will you join me as I lay this church on the altar before the Lord and thank Him for what He has given to us, for what He is about to do with us. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come, but before they lead us in a time of worship, I want every one of you to join with me as I commit us and ask the Lord to bless us as we have as we have started this new year. Let's pray. Father, we come. We come as we are. With all the weaknesses, we thank you, Master, for this new day, this new year that you have given to us. On this very first day of 2022, the desire of our heart is, Father, that we'll be a model church. We'll be a church that will be mimicking the church that we have studied today, the church in Philippi. We see that they shared a common birth. So the cry of our heart is that every person who comes into the, through these two doors of this building and they belong to this Seekers Christian Fellowship, they would have the common birth. That we would carry the same common burden, a burden of praise, that we will have the right relationship, we love people for who they are. And a burden of prayer will be interceding for them. And a burden of partnership that we are ready to toil together as one body. Not depending only on the leadership to carry the burden. We want to partnership. And a burden of pull that we want to be in the house of God. I would rather spend the time in the house of God. Give that burden to every one of us, a God. Because we know that we are all sharing the common blessing. There will come a day that we'll all be together in the new heavens, in the new Jerusalem. What a joyful day that will be, Father. So until such time, until you call us home, help us to mimic this church. Help us to overcome the weaknesses. Father, we know that you have convicted every one of us, a God, in the areas of our weaknesses. And we pray as we lay our lives at the feet of Christ. We ask that you will break us, mold us, make us into the people that you want us to be. So that this church that you have started, that you have guarded, and you have brought to this day, as we enter into 2022, it will become the model church. A church that will share a common birth. A church that will share a common burden. A church that will share a common blessing. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen and amen.